and welcome to the only podcast that has bollocks in its title. Well, maybe there's others, but there's none other in the world of metal. So welcome to Talking Bollocks with I, your host, Howard H. Smith. Um, you may know me as lead singer of your UK thrash band Acid Rain. I does this podcast. I does stand-up comedy as well. At uh, You can check out keithplatt.co.uk. Does anybody want to with websites anymore? And I also host the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. So, um, various links and bits and pieces. I also host the, uh, well, I host with two friends, David and Dave. I host the Reducer podcast, which is a football podcast. If you want to listen to that, I will put a link in the description. There's also a link saying support this podcast. If you click on it, that takes you to the Patreon, where you can get this early. You get a chance to ask questions of um, interviewees because you get to know about them before anybody else. You also get a two-hour radio show. You get a two-hour live podcast on Zoom every month where I basically say all the things I can't say on the podcast. Simple as that. Anywho, if you want to sign up, please do. There are links and stuff. So, thank you very much for joining us. Sorry that all of that housekeeping took nearly one and a half minutes. It's just not good enough. I will try and get it down to a little shorter time, okay? Um, You may notice, you may notice that this podcast is slightly late. Um, I'm not going to go into the exact reasons for that, but what I am going to say is... Anyone out there, anybody out there who is uh, looking after a family member at the moment um, who has been ill or had an operation or anything like that, um, you have my sympathies and you have my support because that's what I've been doing. So, um, yeah, there you go. That's probably, that's probably as, as uh, uh, to quote George Clooney in Dust Till Dawn, that's as probably as close and personal as we're going to get. Um Actually, no, that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's Harvey Keitel's line. Anywho, let's crack on, and always, let's look at what has been happening in the world of metal since we last spoke. Well, Corey Taylor has been saying things like, we refuse to be limited by limited imaginations. Um, yeah. When asked about why the, their new album, The End So Far, that has resonated with Slipknot fans so much... Corey responded, I think it's because we refuse to repeat ourselves, ever. I mean, there's a similarity to our previous records, obviously, but we never like but we never like to kind of go back over the same scorched earth, let's put it that way. We like to challenge ourselves, because we know if we challenge ourselves, it's going to challenge the listener, and that's going to help them expand their own horizons when it comes to the music that we're putting out. He continued, you just can't expect the audience to, uh, uh, to get there, you have to lead them. And we keep pushing the boundaries and keep really redrawing the map as far as what's not music means because it means so many different things to so many people and that's the good thing if it just means one thing and you try to expand yourself you're not going to get very far but because we started from day one expanding the boundaries and changing the landscape for ourselves and for the listeners now if you ask any group of people what slipknot music means you will get a varied opinion about that because it means so many different things to so many different people there's so many great things about this band that so many different people love from the heaviness of the songs like the dying the dying song and hive mind to the atmospheric stuff like adderall and finale we refuse to be limited by limited imaginations ours is off the charts so we're going to take you with us kicking and fucking screaming if need be we're just going to do it our way 
And I just wanted to say that that is absolutely fucking admirable. It really is. Uh, whether or not you think that that is um, applicable to Slipknot, that that's a moot point because to some it will and to some it won't what i'm doing is i'm basically saying that that is an admirable um worthy endeavor you know whether you even whether you pull it off or whether you don't it's still something that is worth doing is and and i get where he's coming from i really do um i mean i'm i i agree with bits of it i disagree with other bits of it because uh, you know, I, I we all have our own opinion of, of of music we listen to. I mean, God, you know, you lot have to suffer through my opinions on on a on a regular basis. But we we all have our own. We all have our own on each band, on each particular album, on each particular fucking song. So yeah, it's admirable. But whether it's been achieved or not, like I said, I think that's a moot point. Um, and then. Um, violence, another lineup change. Um, violence parted ways with guitarist Bobby Gustafsson, um, which was a shame. Uh, violence and Bobby Gustafsson have agreed to part ways effective immediately. The band cites logistical difficulties that weigh too heavy to function in a productive manner. Um, remaining members all thank Bobby for his time in the band and all his vio efforts. We wish him the very best. Um, yeah. Shame, but this is what happens when band, you know, when tours start getting booked, and like you know, the moving parts need to get moving. Sometimes it, it becomes it becomes apparent not until you do stuff like that that it's not going to be able, it's not going to work that way. You know, I speak from experience of 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 having people in lineups whereby you go, right, okay, and now we've been offered this and let's do this. And all of a sudden it's like, ah, right, okay, maybe I can't do that. So, and as it says, you know, um, they've agreed, you know, that it was agreed between them. And I don't want to read anything into it that isn't here. But, you know, it's just, it's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame. Next up. The sword calls it quits. And I'm going to say, for me, not a shame. Um, it's just, the sword have always been a complete and total anathema for me. I have not been able to get my head around what it is that people liked about them. I, I remember when they first came out, they would like, they, they toured with Metallica everywhere. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just, it really, really never... Um, never worked for me but you know a very cool announcement when I started the band back in 2004 I couldn't I, um, I could have only hoped for the success we've enjoyed and I consider myself extremely lucky to have been able to do it uh, for living almost two decades for a living for almost two decades um, in that time everything I ever wanted to do uh, to say and do with the sword creatively has been said and done so the time has come for me to move on to other endeavours and I, you know that's that, that, that's really really cool um and that that is the man who created the band who's john d cronize i i mean c-r-o-n-i-s-e cronize i'm gonna go with it's 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 a guess but um yeah the sword have called it quits and mm, yeah okay never mind this story really kind of brings home to me what you know what the um, the whole scene that everybody is going through at the moment. 
shine down cancel european dates due to economic and logistical side of touring there's no need for me to read anything from the article because I, you can probably guess all of the you know oh, our friends and we're really sorry and but blah 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 and but we'll be back don't you you know all the usual but for me it's just the point that shine down that is you know shine down cancelling is a big thing you know i mean asking alexandria who are pretty huge were supporting you know this is this is a this is a this is a some serious serious dates we're not talking about you know club shows here we're not even talking about town halls or cities we're talking you know big gigs arenas etc now you know the the recent anthrax cancellation um is sort of tacked onto the end of this article but for me this is this is a level up and it just shows how damaging the current economic climate is to not only our lives as individuals because we're all seeing our fucking bills go through the roof but also just to, to bands functioning and touring and a band the size of shinedown so basically the point i'm making is and i, I hate to say this but if you are going to see a band and quite a few of you I know were, went, to see, went to see Anthrax recently and, and shirts were 35 quid, okay? Um, a, you don't have to buy them. And B, just remember that you are actually at the bank, at the gig, and this band hasn't cancelled on you because everybody is cancelling at the moment. And if they are going ahead, their profit margins are drastically reduced. So... You know, unfortunately, it looked none of this, none of this works for any of us. OK, it doesn't work for bands. It doesn't work for punters. It doesn't work for crew. It doesn't work for promoters, etc., etc. I could continue on the list. But let's face it. There is a reason why all this is happening. OK, there's all sorts of different reasons all over the world. We've all of our, our you know, economies are being impacted in various ways. But one thing is for sure. One single fucking prick called Vladimir Putin thought after we all got out of lockdown, I know, why don't we have a war? Brilliant. Fucking great idea, Vlad, you prick. So, yeah, one man, one man is contributing massively to your bills going up and to fucking tours being cancelled. It's, it's unbelievable that we're in this situation. I know it's not as simple as that. And I know there are all sorts of different economic circumstances in each country. But Putin and Russia's invasion has affected us all. And it fucking stinks. Anyway. Uh, and by the way, that's not politics. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not apologising. War is not politics. Okay. Anyway, Tobias Samet says Ronnie James Dio's singing was out of this world. And I read that headline and I thought, who the fuck is Tobias Samet? Because I'm completely ignorant of who this man is. In an interview, an uh, uh, Avantasia leader and Ed Guy frontman, Tobias Samet, was asked which singer alive or dead is his absolute favourite. He, he named some others, but maybe it's wrong. So there you go. That is who Tobias Sammet is. He is the singer in um, uh, Avantasia, and he's also the singer in Ed Guy. Two bands I know absolutely nothing about. Um, but apparently, that's what Tobias thinks of Rio. Uh, Rio? 
Rio? Do you know what I've done there? I have combined Ronnie and Dio and have come up with Rio. Fuck, his name is Rio and he dances on a rainbow. Um, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? Honestly. Apologies. <laughs> um, right, next up. It's our friends, System of a Down. Not a band, notice, didn't say that. So, in the latest interview, Serge Tankian said, as of now, we haven't talked about anything. We will be making an announcement about something next year that I can't really tell you about. So there is that. But further than that, I can't really say. I mean, this is the ultimate sentence that tells you nothing. It's the, it's an announcement. It's 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 an announcement about possibly announcement, a possibly about something, but can't say what. As of now, we haven't talked about anything. We will be making an announcement about something next year that I can't really tell you about. So there is that, but further than that, I can't really say. So it's weird because he says, as of now, we haven't talked about anything, but they are making an announcement next year. Well, you must have talked about that. So whatever it is, System of a Down, a band or not a band? Yeah, I, I honestly don't know because, frankly, if you just keep on gigging and never put new material out, you just you've just become the ultimate cover band. That's it. You've become the ultimate tribute band to your own band. Anyway, we I've, I've I've said enough about System of a Down over the podcasts, haven't I? Right. Well, finally, I am going to wrap up and say finally within the news section. Obviously, finally, I am going to uh, finish off with Chris Jericho's opinion on the Pantera shows. What Chris says is. I think it's great. I'm amazed. I was very good friends with Vinny and I think that in retrospect, both Vinny and Dime would be very happy about this. I think that a world with Pantera music in it is better than the world with no Pantera music in it. I think they got the right guys to help out with Charlie and Zach. And when it comes to the whole generation of kids that never got to see those songs performed live, there is their chance and it's going to be amazing. Now, I agree to a certain extent with what he says i you know i'm 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 not one of these people who's going no but to say that to speak for the dead i don't have that kind of ego i'm i'm not able to to do that obviously i didn't know them as well as he did but you look you, i just think you know it's a there was just no need to say i think they would be pleased about it because it's just you don't know you know, you're, you're putting words in the mouths of dead people. And down that road lies madness. Or at least a massive fuck up. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think it's a little bit much. And I have got to say, I'm going to read it out word for word. Because as we've already established a long time ago, um, blabbermouths don't actually, um, you know, check their articles once they go live. So what this actually says, what this actually says is... Um, when asked about it, uh, 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 Jericho said, I think it's great. I'm amazing. I was very good friends with Vinny. And I think that in retrospect, now, I, like I said, I think, it's, I think it's supposed to be I'm amazed. I don't think even Chris Jericho sat there and said, I think it's great. I'm amazing for no reason at all. I don't think he just threw that in there. You know? Oh, and by the way, I'm fucking great. Um, so anyway, that is the news, folks. That is the news. And now 
it is time for the interview. This is also watchable on YouTube. So, you know, go and check that out if you want to. Um, this is an interview with Steel Mage. Yes, UK thrash band. Making their way through the scene. Um, played Bloodstock this year. I bumped into Tom and Jack. Um, for, well, I didn't bump into them, actually. They bumped into me. They came up and went, all right, are you H and I from Acid Rain? And I was like, yeah. And we had a bit of a chat. And I said, look, when you get message me via Talking Bollocks and let's let's have a chat for the podcast. Well, guess what? That is exactly what happens. And this was a right laugh. I mean, if we, we even talk about how the time just seems to fly. Um, the, the fact that we... Just rabbit on and on. Maybe it's because we're all from Yorkshire. I don't know. And that's a, that's it. There you go. Yorkshire warning up front. Yorkshire warning. Three people from Yorkshire talking for an hour. Don't worry. It's not all about Yorkshire. It's all pretty much about metal. So get stuck in. Welcome to Talking Bollocks, Tom and Jack from Steel Mage. How's it going? Thank you, Howard. It's good to be here. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Um, it's going very well for me. How's it going with you boys? Oh, yeah, it's it's going amazing. It's been a very long time since we've done something like this. So it's good to be back on Zoom. It's good to be back talking to people that isn't just the band. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, <laughs> you know, it's it great. It's good. It's it's real good. So yeah, loving it. So Jack, you're still wearing a um you're still wearing a festival uh, band there. Is that is that bloodstock? Yeah, that's our that's our bloodstock band. And yeah. to be fair, H, it's just because whenever I get a festival wristband, I never want to take it off. Like yeah. I did the same with Download Festival. Yeah, how long was the download one on your wrist for? I think about two or three years. But then it just got so itchy and it started to like decay and it were like it got to yeah. a point where I'm like, right, there's a, there comes a point where you just need to let go. And and I, I have so you know what I mean? But yeah, I think as well because we were we were fortunate enough to play it. I just thought, oh, it's, it's even more special. So I'm just gonna keep it on as long as it as long as I can. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I've got my one right here. I I took this off because I just, you know, because my wrist is quite small, so I had this bit just sticking out all over the place. It was a bit annoying. But, dude, um... you don't don't dude, you don't have to explain why you took it off. That's normal. <laughs> Jack has to explain why it's still on. That's yeah, the way yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yes, um, you played um, and how'd it go? Mental. It, it was so good. As I say, it's something that we've all that we've all wanted to do for so, so long now. Um, you know, especially because a lot of his favourite bands were on that lineup as well. It kind of made it even more special. And obviously, when, when we got there... Who, we're like, who were those bands? Who were those bands? You're... So, obviously, like Lamb of God, Testament... Exodus, all, all them kind of guys, then some of the newer guys like Lorna Shaw and Malevolence and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so, you know, just kind of being able to share the same festival as them was was really, really cool. That's Not awesome. Sick. And, 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 and apo- apologies for not um, for not catching you, but I, I think, as I said, when we when we met um, at the festival, I, I saw like four songs of Heathen, about three songs of Merciful Fate and the whole of Violence. And that's 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 the, all of the music I saw the whole yeah, festival, yeah. and that's not because right. I was like out, you know, getting hammered. I was just kind of, uh, you know, networking as it were, make you know, 
because I interviewed loads of people and said, see you at Bloodstock, definitely. And they're like, yeah, man, we'll have to catch up. And it's like, yeah, that all happened. Um, yeah. But, right. um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I'd seen you. How did it go? You know, I presume you absolutely smashed it. Yeah, it was... Uh... It, the whole experience of just being there was absolutely life-changing because what bands, especially especially Metal to the Masses bands, what they don't realise is that you're not, you know, you can complain that you're not going to get, you won't get paid for it or out like that, but you're actually going there not just to play, but to like meet the people you've looked up to your whole life, but you, you'll yeah. only figure that out when, you, when you're when you there, do you know what I mean? And then yeah. all the interviews from all these, um, all these radio stations and other people, it's, there's there's a lot that comes with it, but in terms of the actual show, I think we were so motivated to do it, and that's like the one show that we all actually practiced for as well. So. <laughs> and well, <laughs> there's, no, it, it is. yeah, it, well, like you said, I mean, it's very short sighted to look at what a gig is going to do for you by starting with the fee, um, because ultimately Period. something like Bloodstock is is exposure is getting that logo on mm. on posters that go around the world that people see and think oh you know who are they i might check them out you know and then might get rev- yeah, they might yeah. see reviews they might see an interview hey um you know all sorts of stuff like that if you hadn't done bloodstock we wouldn't be chatting now so yeah it, it it's without a doubt you, the, all these things are worth you know worth doing especially you know on your way up yeah, that's it. The experience was just phenomenal. And I said that the playing, the playing is just one part of it. But, you know, the kind what you do after, as Tom mentioned, with interviews and the networking and just, you know, chilling in areas you wouldn't chill in if you were a normal punter, you know, and just kind of just soaking it all in. That's completely alien to us because we've never done anything like this before. It yeah. was just it was just mint. And yeah, very, very humbling. It was really cool. And um, and Tom, you you know, you use the phrase um, life changing, and I can yeah. I can totally identify with that because um, and and look, just because I'm an old bastard, and most people listening are old bastards. Sorry, <laughs> listeners, but we you know we know the score, and please do you know come at me if you're not going to get um, a few knocks on your door now. That's it, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> talking bollocks towers is going to have its doors kicked in. Um, <laughs> there, um, how how old how old are you? So I'm 18. Um, right. Jack is 16. Oh, 17. I should right, know this. It was his birthday yeah. literally like a couple of weeks ago as well. Oh, it's, well, this right. just shows how, how our band is. There to be ahead. fair, when Jack turns <laughs> How much he gives a shit? The thing is, when, when Jack turned 16, I still thought he was 14 because that's how old he were when he joined the band. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other I members know. are yeah. like in... Um, I think one of them's about to turn 20. One of them's already t- already 22, coming up 23, and the other's 19. Right. So, um, yeah, no. It... So you, t- you two are the two youngsters of the band then? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Where, where are the babbies at band? Where are the babbies? Yeah, I have to <laughs> buy him drinks when he pays me for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's... I, I, so to go back to what I was saying about, you know, life changing, I, I absolutely get it. And that's why I asked about age, because it's like... You know, I might I might be fifty two now, but I was seventeen once, and I, and I know what it feels like. I know what yeah. it feels like to do something and go, and and it's it's like you thought you were open minded, but the possibilities of what you might be able to achieve and might do in the future yeah, just ju- w- w- just laid out in front of you. It's like, hang on, right, okay, we came to do this and thought this will be great, it'll be good fun, and you come away from it going, 
I want to do that as a fucking job. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Hundred percent. That was the the point where it kind of clicked. We we all we all always knew that we wanted to do this as a job, but we don't really know where the job part of it starts because the first few years of being in any band, you're not going to get anything for it. It's more about getting yourself off your ass, getting out there, putting your name out there. You you probably you yeah you definitely already know that, but yeah. um. Yeah, but when I say it's life changing, like I mentioned previously, it's the idea of meeting all the people. Like we spent the whole week chilling with like Rob Flynn and the guys from Silosis and Ginger and Lorna Shaw, and they're bands that we've I wanted to pay to see in Manchester for a very long time, but got yeah. to see all of them there, and I actually went as far as meeting them. Like that's I know people who would like pay a lot of. Jack said this actually at the festival. You know, there's a lot of people who would pay a lot of money to even get a handshake off them and autograph. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I see like these these people that will splash out like, you know, 800, 200 quid on, on meet and greet and stuff like that. And I mean, it was just kind of, kind of refreshing because they're all, they were all proper down to earth as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're all it. really chilled out. You know, everyone's there for the same reason. Yeah. And um, yeah, proper, proper, just chill that fellas. It's really I, good. Yeah, I except we can't it, relate though, because like you should have seen me when I saw Rob Flynn stood a couple of meters away from me. Oh, man, you should have seen him. <laughs> you should have seen him. He were, he were waiting himself. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I can imagine what he looked like because I saw what he, I saw what he looked like when um, when he saw me, and it must have been very similar. <laughs> Well, I, comparison I just, of you to him, he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I, too small I jest. Guy. I, I jest. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, it, the thing is, most people are cool. You know, it's, 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 it's quite, it's quite rare that you'll come across someone who's a dick. You know, who, yeah, because usually, um, and even if somebody is a dick, you'll probably meet somebody in the band who go, who, who will say, oh yeah, don't worry about him, he's a dick. You know, mm, <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is. It is actually quite rare. Most people are, you know, incredibly cool. Um, that's I... about about the dick thing. That's what um, we say to everyone about Jack before Jack's met them. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, is it? What were you saying? Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 It's all right. It's all right. It's uh, um, I, you know, you you come on here and insult each other. That's what this is all about. I like. You should it. have seen the other Bloodstock <laughs> interview we did. I I said something like, oh, and then and then we got Jack in this this guy in the band who I don't like that much. <laughs> Just no filter, putting straight out there. It's brilliant. Beautiful. Brilliant. You should see the group chat. It's awful brutal i would imagine brutal. Brutal. yeah 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 but i know i know what it's like doing those interviews as well um and, and it's it's kind of it's weird because if you look back on those interviews you go right like how much adrenaline is pumping through my veins in that interview do you know yeah, what i mean exactly. it's like 100 yeah, yeah you see the person being interviewed and you're like wow yeah you can tell you can tell that like you know we played about an hour two hours before because mm. you just it, it carries over, doesn't it? It's just it's with you all day. Hundred percent, yeah. yeah. And to be fair, I'm still not off that uh, off that high. Just kind of looking back and thinking, oh, we did that. It's yeah. it's still very exciting, and it and it makes me very happy just thinking, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah. When what what I've just kind of realised is that playing a thirty minute set at Bloodstock is something I've dreamed of doing since I started playing bass and started listening to metal. You know. And it's it's kind of like a blur. Do you know what I mean? 
I've waited yeah. all them years to do that festival and it's been an absolute dream come true and it always will be. Um, but it's just how quick time it's just kind of come and gone. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So. I do. Well, you see what you've got there straight off the bat, what you've got there is an understanding of, um, right. I'll throw an example at you. Tyson yeah, yeah. Fury, Tyson Fury, you know, beat, beat Klitschko won all the belts and the following day was like, right, right. So I've got pretty much no reason to live now. <laughs> you know, it just went from achieving the greatest achievement to the depths of depression. Yeah, that's, it, that is solid. that's, that's what it. happens. Yeah, because I, I was talking to um, the fellas from a band called Red Method, and because I know the guitarist Quentin, yeah. and he was, I was messaging him on Instagram only if like a, a, maybe last week or something, and he was saying that. You know, he'd he, well. He put some like depressing message on his on his story, and I, I messaged him, and I was like, you know, he he, he good, <laughs> and he were like, well, it's just we played in front of all them people on the main stage, and now it's just kind of that post performance depression, and that's that was a that was a new thing to hear because that's never happened to me, but it's I, I have an understanding of the the blur feeling, like it it comes and goes, all the hype and all the waiting. And then it passes like it was far in the past already. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But that, but that's that you've just described. You know, being in a band, which is the whole your whole life is hurry up and wait, right? Like you know, get here, get here, get here. Oh, you're here. Yeah, go and stand over there for three hours. Literally. Yeah, you know, we'll give you a <laughs> shout. We'll give you a shout when we need you. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, mate, just wait. To get, wait till you get around to making videos. Time times that by like a thousand. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, people fuck about with lights and all sorts, you know. Um, but it, it it's 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 an important subject. It's an important thing to mention as well, especially you guys being you know at the, at the beginning of your careers. That that post performance, de- you know, depression coming back off tour is a. It, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to um, uh, to recalibrate because you, like basically as a band, you tend to go your separate ways because you've been caged together for X amount of dates or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But when you get back to real life, you realise there's no one that you can talk to who appreciates what you've been through, how you're feeling and why you're feeling it. No one. Because yeah. they have no frame of reference. You should just be, you should just be, you should just be feeling lucky that you did it. And it's like, oh, you fuck off. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like it, so much don't... more to it than that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so then it's a case, and so then you end up going like, you know, Jesus Christ, I can't wait to get away from these fuckers. I've been next to them for three weeks, and then you find yourself ringing them up or or doing a video call because it's like, are you feeling the same? Yeah, I'm feeling the same. <laughs> you know, um, but it, just, it uh, is crying it, on a Zoom call with each other. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But it, you know, it, it, it's it's an important it's an important thing. Also, it's important to learn how to manage it as well, especially the when you come off stage, that high, that adrenaline. It's tempting. It is tempting to keep that going. It's tempting right. to, and you know, and those and and the ways to do that are, you know, all laid out in front of you in most dressing rooms, you know, and <laughs> and and that's and that's that that is a danger. That is a real danger, and that's where that's where people end up making mistakes is because you come off stage, you're so pumped that it's like. You just, you just, you know, if, if you've been raging for forty minutes on a stage, you want to. It, it's like you come off stage and it's you're, you're still in rage mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every, you know, a lot of shows we we get a um, 
a one more song chant and we're really tempted to go back and do it and we kind of huddle around and discuss what song we're going to do because usually we don't expect to do it because either we're not allowed or we just don't expect it yeah. and every time we are every time we do get a one more chant um one more song chant like we had it our metal to the masses and our album release show and both times we were told by the people like running the show that we weren't allowed to do it due to time limits and whatever i mean corp has a club night on anyway so we wouldn't have been able to especially with jack who's a little child um, <laughs> under the All age right, of well, you were a little child too won't forget Get off not anymore head. motherfucker oh yeah look look at this like like yeah, yeah. I turned, 18, this turned 18 a month ago and all of a sudden it all of a sudden a the, dog, the, dog, the relationship dynamic has well, become father and son <laughs> yeah but even before i was 18 i was his father he knows that Oh, um, right. Okay. And also, one thing I do want to mention actually is when you said about that, um, you know, that p- uh, post show depression, uh, when people are like, oh, well, you should, you should feel really lucky. It reminds me of this thing I watched on Lad Bible, and it was um, Tyson Fury talking with this other athlete. It was one of them like young athlete meets old athlete kind of thing. And um, Tyson was saying that, um, you know, he's he's got a lot of money all this, that, and the other, but he's spent his whole life being depressed as shit. He's fucking yeah. depressed as hell. And his family always say, well, you've got everything. You've got all the money you need. You've got a family. You know, you've got no reason to... Well, that people who don't understand the mental health, you know, they see a rich mm. person and think, why should you be depressed when I'm here struggling with no money? And, yeah. I mean, he's obviously had to work to that point, but when he's at that point, it's like, what does he do? He's still young. It's like footballers retire early yeah. as well. What do they do with the rest of their well, money well, and the also, rest of their lives? Well, also the thing is, most people most people judge that situation from the point of view that if I that all the problems I have in my life, ninety five percent of them are, you know, money related. So if I was rich, I'd have no problems. And it's that basic and stupid, yeah. the way people think. There'll be people listening to this who who disagree, who will be like, no, 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 I'd be happy if I had that money. All that happens is, all that happens is, there is no amount of money that you can pay the universe to make you have no problems. Simple as that. That's true. And I watched this film based on book by David Williams called Billionaire Boy, and it came out a couple of years ago um, on 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 TV. It it were around New Year's Day time, I think maybe about 2017. It was actually filmed in Rotherham, near where I live, so in in Yorkshire. And basically, the story is about this this uh, this guy that goes from having absolutely nothing, he works in a bog roll factory and he's, he's got notes and he, he can't even afford to get his son a Christmas present, that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, and then he goes, goes from that and it's, it's almost like an overnight success that he, that he comes up with this business idea and it blows up and then he's got all this money and he's bought his son everything he's wanted, I don't know, donut machine, water slide in his room, all this, <laughs> so he's loving it, right? You know, and it, 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 even I'd love that, right? And then anyway, once he's got all this, it's like, what well, what do I do now? And it and it and it goes back down, and it be, and it becomes even more sad, even more depressed than when they were poor. And I think when you when you when you do kind of well, I'm not when you're poor, but when you are more normal, if you will, I think you have more of an appreciation for things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So such as that, and then yeah. obviously, as this film shown, you know they they are you know all this money, they've got everything they want, and they're kind of stuck in a rut. And I yeah. think that's kind of that's a good resemblance to what we're on about just then. You know what I yeah, mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I and look, look, 
men have this thing where people always say like, you know, that's, oh, look, he's, he's bought a sports car. He's having a midlife crisis. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, split up with a wife, younger girlfriend, mm. all the rest of it. And um, uh, and that that is all a symptom of <clears throat> depression. You know, mm. you, you try trying to change things about your life because you're not happy. And mm. but until you actually look inward and fix yourself, you can buy all the shit you want. It will it will make you happy for a short period of time, and then you will need to buy something else. And you keep doing that and keep trying to top it up. It fails eventually. And if you, you you know, basically it's the old phrase, money can't buy happiness. And it's true. It's absolutely true. You can be, you know, you can be be depressed. You can be depressed, penniless, and you can be depressed and be a millionaire. It's the, the, the finance is irrelevant. You know, what you own is irrelevant, where you live, the, the temperature, what, you know, the, the weather, whatever, all of it is irrelevant. Because if you're, fu- if you're, you know, if you're fucked up in your own head, then it doesn't matter. Because pr- yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, been through some dark times myself. And I can honestly say that, you know, ultimately, um, if you don't, you know, if you don't fix yourself, then you're fucked. You've got you no know? chance, yeah. isn't it? You've got to focus uh, on you. Yeah, yeah, well, it, it, but it's, but it, you know, it's uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know, that that won't happen to you guys. You know, start, you know, at the start of your journey, and you mentioned you mentioned having an album out as well. So, um, before we go any further, do, uh, do you just want to give it a plug and how do people get hold of it, etc.? Yeah, so it's called As yeah. the Chapel Falls. It's our debut album, and it's on all the streaming platforms. Um, you've probably heard a lot of people say exactly the same about their album, about it being on all streaming platforms, but it is, it, it literally is. Yeah, right. we've okay. also That's got the... physical copies as well. We've got, we've got CDs and we've got cassettes um, on on our web store, which is a big cartel. So just steelmage.bigcartel.com cool. and uh, just ship them out and that. But yeah, I mean... Have you got a Bandcamp page as well? Yeah, oh, we've, got, wow. we've got Bandcamp. That's just, I think, Steelmage official dot um bandcamp.com yeah. i don't know just type in steel mage on on bandcamp and it'll come up i've never actually yeah. seen our um bandcamp page i'm gonna have a look at that right oh well now. i beat you to it i was looking at it earlier <laughs> <laughs> um, so what label um what label is oh. the album on or, are you, or is it self-financed oh, it's, self-release. It's self-released unsigned you know independent just yeah. Yeah. Did you did you did you shop for a did you shop for a deal before that or did you just decide to stick something out and then hope that that gets noticed and, and yeah, maybe we just, you know we, yeah we just wanted to stick it out um, on its own first and um, then you know kind of we're going to start maybe sending it around and that but we we're kind of in two minds about it because while you know having a having a deal might help us it might push us it might you know kind of get us into new ears and stuff as also you know that well this sort of modern controversy around labels and deals and stuff that um you know what what can what can a label do that you can't do yourself sort of thing with all these kind of outlets you know you've got your distributors like distro kid and cd baby that's got that's got your distro sorted you know and then obviously you if if you can sort your merch out yourself, i.e. physical copies, you're sorted yeah. with that. So yeah. I think probably the the thing that a, that a label would help us with is probably the, the, the actual promo, the, the PR of it, maybe. Which is the most important part. Ultimately, you can have your merch sorted, you can have your distribution sorted and everything else, but if no one knows it's out and no one knows who you are, 
none of that means anything. There's no one to buy that merch. That's it. Yeah, exactly. There's no one to buy it. Yeah. So, so you've, you know, it, it really is. And, you know, you can go down the PR route and hire independent PR. Um, but again, you know, like distribution, um, physical manufacturing and CDs and everything. Cause I've, you know, been there, was there in 2019. And, and I don't, I just basically, I don't want a garage full of merchandise and CDs and vinyl and cassettes and be going backwards and forwards to the post office and, and like for an album launch, you know, fuck that shit. Um, and then you've also got that's whole... literally my house as you've just described it there. Right, my, there you my, go. My bedroom right now just got it's full of merch, and I'm going down to the post office a couple of times every week. It's yeah. a graph. Well, I've, well I've got I've got a spare room with that with that kind of stuff in it. But when it when it comes to actually doing all of the um, you know, like the the, the full on distribution, all the rest of it, it, it's you know that's that's basically you know what what a label's there for, and also that 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 PR, that, that, that push, that making sure everybody knows where you are um, and what you're up to. Um, and, you know, look, ultimately it's, it, yeah, as you move forward, it's up for you to decide, you know, you'll, you'll probably carry on going at a level for a while, but if you want to kick on and you want to progress, um, Hey, it might involve, uh, you know, being on a label. It might not, but I'll guarantee that every single band that you want to go and see, is on a label. Yeah, That's you know it, what? Yeah. I used to think that, um, you know, but early Steel Mage kind of days, I used to think that the way forward was being signed. I didn't know anything about, um, you know, going as far as getting lawyers involved with signing contracts. I didn't get that far into it. I just, I just thought that labels were the way to get bigger shows and bigger audiences. But yeah. the thing is, I've seen... I, I've seen too many bands that I've only recently figured out that they're not signed at all, and they've gen, they've just made it to this point through their own success and their their own promotion, their own sound, all of that. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, true, and then eventually a label comes in, and you know, and and that's where that you know that's that's when they you know that's take it. off even the further. Yeah, I mean, a, a classic example would be Protest the Hero. Who had pretty mm. much, pretty much the most successful um, uh, um, self-funded album out there? You know, they crowdfunded it. They asked—I can't remember the exact figures, but I think they—they they were looking to like sell, basically get about fifty thousand dollars, I think. And they ended up getting like near two hundred. Um, and um, and of course, you know, they 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 blew it all, and they put a big producer. They got Chris Adler to play on the album. They and all the rest of it. Um, uh, and that was great. Um, and then, a, and then a label came along and, and said, look, you know, we can, we can take it from here. And they were like, yeah, yeah, probably best, probably <laughs> yeah. best you do. It's a, yeah. But again, it's an, it's an extreme example, but it's, you know, as I said earlier, your, your career will progress and you will, you know, you will, you know, you might find a time where a label is something you consider. You might not. You know who knows? It's um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult one. Anyway, look, one thing I haven't mentioned yet, and then it should establish is because this is the chaotic way I work. So we've established Tom plays bass. Um, Jack, what do you do? For some reason, I play drums. There you go. Okay, cool. So I we... attempt to play drums. Right. So we, yeah, we have... not very well. We have the whole. We have the whole rhythm section. Um, That's right. it. On the podcast. minus the guitarist. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's not. He's not. Part no, of he's not. He's not. Really, no, he's not no, really. no one cares about the guitarists. 
Well, rhythm. you know, you two, you two are supposed to be like the rhythm section. You two, we are, are the meat and like, potatoes. You know, we are the most relevant. Oh, like check that out! I love. We that. are the we are the meat and potatoes. You know how it is. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> um, well, it was, I, and it was, I was lovely bumping into you at Bloodstock as well, um, because uh, I, I, you know, Jack, you uh, was way back in lockdown, you won a you won an acid rain T shirt on, yeah. on one of my like Saturday night ins that I did with various people. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, which which is awesome. It's absolutely awesome. It was uh, sick, honestly. It, I mean, I just saw you outside that that tent. I think it was in that VIP bit. I thought there's only one geezer this can be. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, he, he was like, there's, "There's Howard from Acid Rain. Should we go say hi?" And I'm like, "Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad you did, or you wouldn't be here. And I, and and I think we, you know, as we said at the time, what you don't ask for, you don't get. You know, if you don't put yourself, if you don't put yourself out there, it's like you could have come over, and it might not have been me. And, yeah, and sometimes and, you do trade so photos for cigarettes. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes. THC. Yeah, so, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, so what are the um, what are the what are the plans now? Because obviously you've you know you've gone through metal metal to the masses, and you know you've won heats. You've ended up getting to Bloodstock, playing it. Um, what's what's the plan from here? So we've got a few shows left for the rest of the year. We're doing um, a few kind of around the country. We're going to Nottingham for the first time next month. Um, we're playing a show in um, in Bolton next Saturday. Uh, you know, we've got some near me in Barnsley. Um, got, got a couple of Sheffield ones, Huddersfield, that kind of stuff. So I've got about 10 shows left for the rest of the year, just trying to, you know, promote as the chapel falls, um, you know, just trying to get, Get out to New Year's and stuff like that, and yeah. um, obviously we're writing. We are writing at the moment for his next release. Whether that's a single, EP, two-track album, who knows? We won't tell you. <laughs> oh, I don't think you even know that. No one knows. Um, yeah, just write, writing bits for that. Hopefully next year, and then um, as I say, I think I think next year hopefully we are going to try and hopefully get on a few more festivals and stuff like that. Um, because it was it was just sick, and um, just trying to take it, you know, forward more, and and trying to just progress it as much as we can. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah, so you, um... since Bloodstock, since sorry to interrupt you, but no, um, since, since Bloodstock, we've also got ourselves a couple of headlining shows. If you want right. to plug them for us, Chuck. Oh yeah, so oh yeah, <laughs> well, that that one in Huddersfield that I mentioned, we we're, we're headlining um an all day there. Um, that's at the parish, and I've been to parish to see a lot of gigs, um, you know, and it's, it's it's a cracking venue. And then uh, um, we're headlining a local venue to me uh, in Barnsley. It's called the Old Schoolhouse. Um, I think Saxon played there back in the day as well, so it's a pretty you know, it's a pretty sick venue. Um, and yeah, that's we've got there. There was two headliners, and it's yeah. we've, headlining shows are a bit of a new thing to us. To be fair, we've always done opening slots. You know, and we sometimes main support that kind of stuff, but we've never actually been the main event, and it feels yeah. weird to be fair. Um, <laughs> because we did our album launch at Corporation in Sheffield back in uh, July, uh, and it was kind of tied in as a Bloodstock warm up show as well. Um, and, and we we obviously headlined that, and that that was really cool. But I say it just it just felt weird that that we were like the main event. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, we, yeah. it's so alien to us. Um, yeah. And then I think after Bloodstock, these these two headliners that we've got, 
um, you know, pe- people have come to us, you know, asking about them. Um, you know, like, oh, um, would you boys be up for headlining this? And like, oh, yeah, you know, 100%. And it's just, it's, as I said, it just feels a bit weird. I mean, it, I'm down to do it. But I mean, to me, a show's a show. And I just love, I just love playing, just love playing gigs. As, as I said, especially after um, COVID and lockdown and that, which is, you know, it, it feels like it, well, it almost feels like it never happened, to be fair, because we're, we're back to normal now. But it yeah. was a long time. And, you know, like two and a half years is a long time in anyone's life. Um, but I think, obviously, especially for us as, as teenagers through that, I think we, we're kind of now just trying to make the most of every opportunity we have to play and not taking yeah. it for granted again. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's, and you know, being a headliner, that's 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 the next stage, you know, that's that's and it's a different experience again because you're, you know, you, you you do the gig, you have a great time, come off, you know, all towel off, have a chat about how it went. Go out to go out to have a little walk in the crowd. No one there. Everyone's gone home. It's empty. That's it. And that, it. and that is when the temptation to go back in the dressing room and start smashing the beers, um, you know, well, yeah. happens. You know, we've we've played a lot of gigs where that <clears throat> has happened anyway. And we played, and everyone. <laughs> what you've just played. cleared it out. <laughs> well, scared everyone off. Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell! It's steel mage. Jesus, let's let's leave. <laughs> <laughs> Violence is too intense for us. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, being a headliner though, that is that's that's really cool. The you know, it, it's progress. It shows that you know, it shows that you you know you, you're progressing. Um, and you know, for people to want you to to headline, you're doing something right. Simple as that. You know, oh, no, it's yeah, yeah, good sign. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, obviously, you know, you guys are at the like one end of the spectrum of career and I'm at the other end. Um, but I, but I, you know, I totally remember, totally remember like photographic memory for what it was like when we started out and everything else. Um, and so you guys haven't, I'm assuming haven't been, actually been playing your instruments that long. How long, how long have you both been playing? So I've been playing, playing drums now for about 10 years. I started lessons awesome. when I was seven. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Start, started lessons when I was seven through, through school. So I went primary school at the time. Wow. And um, I started doing grades um, and I went up to secondary school, so year seven. Um, and I started having lessons, but there were group lessons in year seven. And I didn't really gel with teacher that much. And, and I didn't yeah. really, I, I, I thought I, I kind of got a bit lost in this group setting environment. So kind of end of year seven, um, me, me and my parents decided to go and go to like one-to-one private tuition. Um, and... I've been, I'm, I'm, I still go there and I've been going there now, over, well, since year seven, so about six years, maybe five, six years. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I'm loving it there. And since, since last year, um, Rich, who's the, the kind of owner of the drum school, um, offered me a position to actually teach there myself um, like, uh, on Mondays for beginners. Um, so that, that's really, really cool. And just, Kind of grew from there. Obviously, I've, I've, I've got my drum kit in, in room next to me, you know, so I do a lot of practice in there. But um, I, I, from early on, I just kind of thought, you know, I proper love this. So, and yeah. I, it's, it's never really a chore to get behind kit. I just, I'll, I'll do it, you know, it's usually a couple of hours a day if, if I get a chance. And it's just, it's just fun. I'm always trying to learn something new and stuff like that. Well, that's, that's the first, great. that's that's the first rung on the ladder. Um, of making a living from playing drums is that is that you know being invited to you know to become a tutor somewhere 
you know that. Yeah, that well, I mean, is... I know Mark from from AR does does yes. teach, and that's his that's his main thing. So yep. he does it's, indeed. It's it's, he's it's, it's good soft teaching alongside performing. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, that was my plan for you. Need to go into teaching because I've always wanted to teach myself, um, but never, never did it. But um, yeah, so yeah. Did well, you start playing, Tom? I'm glad you asked. So I started playing bass in 2017. Um, so right. it's so quite a strange one. There's <laughs> a bass in the all player. Sorry, are. mate. Sorry, mate. I couldn't resist. How would I thought I liked you? <laughs> Uh, well, well. Anyway, so I yeah. was actually a drummer from year seven until right. year eight, I think. No, well, I was a drummer for quite a long time. I still am now, but not my main instrument. But I found yeah. bass through um, another band that were in my school at the time, and they had a bass player. He wasn't very good, um, or anything like that. Looking back on it, and he still isn't now. I look at his socials sometimes, but. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised it's taken him this much time to not move at all. But um, no, I heard the sound of the instrument and I was like, oh, so that's what that sounds like. Because they were always just kind of scattered across the school, these four string instruments. And I never knew what they were. I just thought they were guitars like everyone else does, yeah. I guess. And um, Four string guitars. Four string. Why does your guitar have four strings? Because it's better than six strings. Um, no, no, but... Um, I heard the instrument and I was like, maybe I should give that a go. It sounds all right. Kind of like it. So then I started playing and enjoyed it, I guess. And then now it's I'm all here. been downhill from there. <laughs> Fuck you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but I would imagine, I would imagine like coming from a drumming background and playing bass that that's kind of an advantage because you can hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Because you're locking in with the drums and you can see it from both sides. So you can, you've got an appreciation for what will work. I would imagine you've got a natural appreciation for what will work and what won't. I do. I do. And sometimes I actually, I kind of, I explain to Jack during writing processes, what I think will sound good here and there, but then it results in me trying to write his drum part. Um, yeah. And it yeah. never ends. It never results in that, but um yeah, but that's that's kind of where it leads to. It's all to. process, though, isn't it? It's all yeah. process. And I think well, bass is yeah. a really percussive instrument. And I've always said, if if drums want my main thing, I'd 100% go down bass room because I just, I'm I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And like, if I'm, because I've I re, I recently started using in-ear monitors on stage and I always have um, Tom's bass in my in-ears and I'm always like fascinated by all, you know, little kind of embellishments he's doing all that. Um, so 100%. If I if I want a drummer, I'll go down bass route. Yeah, well, well, Jack comes up to me, Howard, and he he, he starts, he, he get, he's like, Give us your bass, give us your bass, mate. And um, I'm like, oh, Right, have it then, Jesus. And he starts busting out these slap licks and all this shit. And I'm like, Mate, you're, you're a fucking better bass player than I am. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to swap places? Yeah, brilliant. But I've not really it... got I've not really got much in my um, my story. Long story short though, I heard the bass one day and decided to do it and then I kind of worked my ass off every single day to get to where I am now. Um so I've gone from playing like red hot chili peppers shite to like like they're not shite at all. I love them. But I went <laughs> went from playing that kind of stuff to then playing stuff like Arc Spire and Ginger and yeah. with all these tapping and slapping thumping shit and i don't know i i've advanced quite a lot we'll say that um yeah. without getting cocky well i but look that's a great it, it's it's a great example for people listening 
like you know we, we started out talking about like you know you, you you won metal to the masses you got through you got to play bloodstock you've got an album out and all the rest of it and there's plenty you know and it's but it's always good to go back and hear about all of the hard work that means that happens because these things don't just fall out the fucking sky you know and you know you you have to work at it and work at it and work at it and work at it like you said every day every day i'm interested did did lockdown actually help in any way was that because that's that's only two years two two and a half years into learning bass did it give you a you know, did yeah. it give you time to kind of like focus on it? I didn't. If I'm completely honest, I didn't really yeah. have anything else to do because, um, yeah. no, no, mate, none of us did. <laughs> my PC wasn't good enough to play all like the latest titles and shit, so no one ever wanted to play games with me or anything like that. So, um, I, I kind of, I sat and played bass quite a lot, and it was with the old lineup special. Well, any musician, it was the same for everybody. It was just the same for everybody. And I remember Jack. Yeah. We, me and Jack would stay up together until like 6 a.m. when we were all living off Monster and shit. It was stupid, mate. We were going to bed at about 7 a.m. And I was waking up until about 5 p.m. the next day. All my meals had been missed and it, it was getting dark. It right. was driving him crazy because he'd fall asleep when it. He would fall asleep when it was still dark. He'd wake up when it was still dark. But the point I was going to make is I remember Jack playing drums at like 3 p 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. And we just kind of wondered how is how he was allowed to do that because yes. if I tried, I mean to be fair, lockdown taught me how to use Pro Tools and my audio interface. So, awesome. I mean, I I could have stayed up quite a while playing bass through my my audio interface. Mm. Um, but you know, I live in quite a quiet neighborhood, and the walls are quite thin in my house. Um, yeah. so even if I was to play through my interface, it'd still be. I mean, my 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 family aren't really heavy sleepers, so brilliant. <laughs> so, how did, how did you get away with it then, Jack? Well, it was just if if my pa- if my parents were out or anything, or because I, I I was sometimes home alone because if me if my parents were doing anything out or right, so you've just shot you just shot your parents for breaking lockdown, breaking rules. the uh, COVID rules. Dear me, me. Dear <laughs> me. Um, I I just. I just did it, and then I think because my parents' sleeping routine won't, um, <laughs> won't like uh, that good either. Right. I think we all just kind of lost it, and we were just kind of like yeah. living living the night as if it were a day. And then I was just, it, it was mad. It was, we were nocturnal for two years. Stupid. Yeah, but it, but it was though, wasn't it? It was it was a you know it was a mad time. Um, I, you know, we all got into like weird routines for certain time. I I, I recorded a hundred TikTok videos. I mean, you have a TikTok? I, apparently. Well, I'm going to go on there right TikTok. now. I don't. Right, I don't even have. It. I don't even have the app on my phone anymore. I haven't had, like, the app being on my phone is two phones ago, but it gave me something to work on. It gave me something two to focus ago. on every day. You know, yeah, every day it's like definitely something that's been on the rise focus. during that lockdown. And you'll yes. get it now. Yeah, and it's it's above Facebook and Instagram for that promo, and I'm guilty. You know, my dad says to me all the time because I'll be like, I'll, I'll you know, I'll complain about Instagram, and Facebook, like, oh, you know, you make a post and barely anyone sees it. You know, everyone knows about that. It's like, oh, I'll get on TikTok, and I'm thinking, nah, you know, I see it, and it's just it's just memes and cringe dances and stuff. And, but yeah, so because I've it is, and I still put it off, but and I have it, but I'm posted on it, and I really do need to like start on it, but I've. 
I just need someone to click and be like, and to be completely honest, yeah. TikTok is, I, I don't know statistically, but I know it's definitely the biggest, well, one of the biggest, if not the biggest social media platform at the moment. Biggest at moment. Yeah, yeah, moment. definitely. And sometimes I'll post videos on there and I'll get way bigger numbers than I will on Instagram, even though I have a way bigger following on Instagram. Random, so, isn't it? It just it, randomly does. It is. But then the thing is, the, the I don't know if it sounds to algorithm or hash, whatever it is, hashtags or... But sometimes I'll post a video on, on TikTok that will get like, I don't know. I don't know what my biggest number on TikTok is, but it will get like a couple thousand like views. But then I'll post another video and it will get about 70 or 80. Yeah. Well, welcome. It's a bit, bit yeah. strange. Welcome to the world of um, anybody who ever tells you they work in social media, media marketing. You can say, <laughs> oh, right. So you know what we know. Your job's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> because you've got no fucking idea. Absolutely no idea. Hey, this, you know, I, I, I know myself, you know, from, from posting stuff. I mean, I've admin about 11, 12 um, social media accounts for, you know, the band, the podcast, comedy, everything else. And, um, uh, you know, so I never know what's going to catch people's imagination. You never know. All of a sudden, people are going to go nuts for something. And you're just like, really? Yeah. And then you, and then you like, then you post something thinking, oh, this is going to go well. Oh. And I don't, don't it. I've done that so many times on, on Instagram. I would I'd post like I posted a, a um what was it? Um that oh yeah, I posted a fucking Bruno Mars cover thinking that it was going to get me massive numbers just because it's Bruno Mars, because I thought that's how life works. But then <laughs> it, it it was one of my it's one of my like most unsuccessful videos on social media to date. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, look, I can't fault your logic, but this is what I mean. This is what I mean. Social media marketing is bollocks, man. It's just, you know. it's changing all the time, isn't it? You might be a pro one week, but the next week there's an update. Oh, suddenly it's changed. And yeah. what I do notice a lot is that on Instagram, I'll have like periods where I have like a rapid incline of followers, but then I'll, I'll I think I've gone for about, five or six months now not and i'm just unable to pass three thousand and i'm on like um i'm on like two thousand nine hundred and like 78 or something like that well you've probably got you've probably got more followers on instagram than acid rain mate so i wouldn't worry too much <laughs> don't know about that oh yeah i know you have I, I like instagram in fact i'll tell you exactly um I love your Instagram page. Oh, you've only got 100 less. 2,800, yeah. And seven. You've got, you've only got, your Instagram's well cool though. Like, (laughs) it's way better than mine. Well, you know, I but we've got, you know, we've got a kind of uh, an aged following. So uh, a lot of If you look at your Facebook following compared to say, that's where, because obviously I'm not calling you out. Well, I am. It, I, dude, it's I, all right. It's okay, happy. mate. It's all right. Yeah, you're you 17. Are. I'm 52. It would be <laughs> weird if you if you didn't think I was old. Your, your, your fan base is obviously majority, um, you know, kind of like... Old bastards. It's all right, mate. Stop beating around the bush. Go for it. Middle, middle age, you know what I mean? And, and Facebook is like stereotypically used by... Middle-aged people. Grey heads. Yeah, no, no, I, look, I totally agree. I mean, fucking hell, middle-aged. I, I, I called myself that the other day and I thought, hang on, if I'm middle-aged, that means I, I'm going to live till 104. <laughs> um, I think I might have even passed, in, I might have even passed middle-aged into just aged. 
just uh, old, elderly, yeah, yeah. senior I'm like, citizen. I'm like a cheese. I get more rotten with age, um, oh, yeah. you know, um, or uh, or more blue. I don't know, whichever works. I like um, a fine wine, Howard, a fine wine. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd love to think so. I'd love to <laughs> think so. But fine wines are usually kept in the cellar. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't fancy that too much. Um, but um, get, look, getting back to you, getting back to you guys and and um, uh, and the band and and everything else. Um, Tom, you mentioned there um, university. Is there is there like is is uni planned? Is that is that going to clash with the band? What's what's it's, the? It's literally taken me like it's taken me about fifteen years to decide whether I'm going to uni or not. Believe it or not. It right. was literally last month where so I was you started like, thinking I, about it when you started thinking about three. it when yeah. you were three. Wow. Yeah, oh, no, typical three-year-old thoughts. Yes. I know I my parents were still in uni at the time and they used to say, Oh Tom, go to uni when you're older. And I'd look at them like, What the fuck are you talking about? I'm playing with my dinosaurs, mate. Piss off. Most <laughs> um, <laughs> <was> changed. Oh yeah. Fuck <laughs> off, Jack. Um <laughs> no, well, I decided like I decided like last month that I want to go into teaching. Right. Um, so what I, I'm going to do, it well, hopefully it won't interfere with, with the band, but if it does, then like, I, I honestly don't think it will. I don't think it will at all. Cause we have two members who have just come out of uni, just right. come out of uni, Jack. Yeah. Well, I mean, Oliver's got one more year left, but um, Josh has just left. Hasn't he? Josh has just left. So he's looking for employment at the moment. And it was going to be doing, same as me, but just forklift driving until he were a wanker and broke his leg when he was pissed. Such a he's such a t- he broke his collarbone as well. Was that over alcohol as well? Yeah, he's done two. Fucking he's done two man. gigs with us with broken bones, and the one at Bloodstock was with a broken leg. And he hopped on stage like a right twat. But oh, dear. Yeah. Man. Well, anyway, what I, what I was getting at is I'm going to take a gap year after I finish the because I'm starting my third year of college. Well, I have started my third year of college. So next September, I'm going to take a year off, do full time at Spoons, where I'm working at the moment, hey, um, which is Weather Spoons for anybody who doesn't realize what Spoons is. And for those who don't know what Weather Spoons is, it's like a cross between a pub and a jumble sale. <laughs> I'm stealing that one. I'm stealing that one. That's good. That is that is good. Yeah, well, I'm gonna take a gap here and then decide whether I want to go uni. Well, I know what I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I'm just rambling on to myself, but um I I just yeah, so after the gap here, I'll get into uni, but if it interferes with anything, then I don't know. It's I've not got a burning desire to go into teaching, it's just I know that if I was to go into teaching, I'd want to teach at like a college or something like that and just know that I'm never gonna be made redundant or anything like that. Rather well, than having yeah. to be freelance for the rest of my life. Well, yeah, there is that. And then there's the other side of it, which is be- being freelance means that you don't work for anybody, you have your own timetable um again it's that it's that it's that route to self-employment which believe it or not took me a long time to figure out that um i've you know i've worked in the working environment many many years and yes there's a lot to be said for the stability of a regular wage but they fucking own you for that and they own your time they own your days you will have this many holidays you will enjoy yourself on these days that's <laughs> um, so yeah. true you know yeah. and and there's there's all there's there's always that in the background now don't get me wrong i you know I, I spent a good 20 years in the you know in the machine um and 
it, without a doubt, it's it is still stressful being self-employed, and um, you know, you, you're, ne you're never not at work. Um, uh, you know, and that's when Bloodstock suddenly became something that I go to a network at instead of just enjoy. Um, but the advantage is, you know, your life is your own, and you get to choose who you work with and what you do, and you know, and yeah, it's um, it's it sounds like a very it sounds like a very practical approach that um that that, that you've taken, and you know, I salute you for that. Um, but that key word, passion. If you've got a passion for something like playing bass and being in a band, you know, you, you, it, I, my advice would be try and find something that you're equally as passionate about. That, right. That 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 pays. That works. I feel I, this has turned into a fucking careers meeting, hasn't it? I know. I do apologise. <laughs> yes. Careers advisor. And anyway, if you now now if you'd like to bring your parents in, I'll explain our discussion to them, and we'll <laughs> oh, yeah. we'll, we'll oh, talk yeah. about the next few steps. <laughs> but. Um, it's a uh, dude it's um at, at least you're thinking about it and you know i'm planning a, a, a way of you know moving forwards um 100%, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and and jack is just like do you know what i'm gonna drive a forklift around for now that'll do for now he loves what he does it's fun it's fun it's good it's all right yeah yeah it's well, just it'll... a little weekend thing you know it's just a little weekend thing and like when when i'm off college so I now, right? I just um, I just get a bit of overtime in, you know. It's yeah. I, I don't pay any tax. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I know, I know. It's gutting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but um, so, what, what are you taking at college? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing music production level three, and I'm on my final year now. This going into my final year. I start next Tuesday. Uh, and then after that, well, I'm just in process, actually, of deciding. Um, because there's a lot of open, opening days going for unis at the moment. So I'm looking at, you know, like Leeds Conservatoire, Leeds Beckett, all these different unis, uh, to obviously to go on and study music. Uh, yeah. You know, I've looked at that and kind of made my mind up whether, you know, if I want to go to uni or if I want to immediately go into something in the industry, you know what I mean? So... I think it's probably going to be like a crucial two months to decide that. Um, so yeah, just going to play by ear, see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Just try yeah. and you know seize up, oh, you know, kind of seize opportunities when they happen, um, and uh, and just get your name out there. It's very it's similar to being in a band to that extent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and where do you see where do you see that going? You know, actually, sort of, you know, obviously producing steel mage to start but like you know producing bands and yeah well i mean i i don't just want to limit yourself to strictly production because obviously music's a wide array of things but obviously like live sound engineering is something that is kind of i've always been fascinated by but it's, it's a dark art you know it's, it's an art oh but, you know yeah. you've got to judge oh, the time. venue all this oh, and yeah. I, I, we've had some well, great the sound guys this, just this as i'm thing. sure you've had I, look, it's it's this is the thing about sound checks, isn't it? I've, I mean, like the for, a, for a start, I'm a singer, so what's the fucking point of me being at sound check? <laughs> I, right, very little, very little, um, and it always amazes me. Like sound check, really, the whole point. You may as well just just do a just do a line check. Sound check shouldn't last any longer than kind of like ten minutes. You know why? Because the gig's fucking empty. 
That's why it's going <laughs> right. to sound complete. You know, you, you can go up to Sandman and say, that sounds fucking hideous. And you'll be like, yeah, but wait, when the place is full, the whole top end will get soaked up and it will sound great. Great. So what was the fucking point of that again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of live well, sound men listening going, made... you dickhead. Sounds like a typical <laughs> singer. Well, a lot of the time we, we actually have to, we, we hate doing it, but a lot of the time we actually line check on stage when the doors are open or when they're closed to open. Oh, yeah, it is horrible. We hate that so much. We hate it. Yeah, I know. I know it is, it is, it is a bummer, but the, one of the best things about, about um, headlining all day or, or headlining in general anyway, is like, I always say, We've got two, we've got two, sometimes three bands there, all sound checking for us. You know, the work's done. Absolutely. It's like once we go on, just like, you know, oh, move, move a couple of faders slightly. No worries. Jobs are good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like you're saying, Jack, live, like live sound. I remember talking to um, uh, Stilly Harris back in the day when we were doing Obnoxious and, and, and saying to him like oh you know would you would you ever sort of do you know pop along to our live sound and he was like fuck off not a chance it's like <laughs> that's that's like that's a whole other world of shit he said because because working as a studio producer you're in control of your environment you're in control of the sounds you're in control of everything and then awesome. you, you just yeah. give all of that up when you go and become do live sound you know yeah um, even if the band has got most of their set running through Pro Tools, and like there's that's only, the thing nowadays. Only vocals sort of, live. There's maybe the odd solos. Live. Literally, there's I I made friends with a bass player the last time we played at Leeds, and he was his bass rig was a laptop and a DI box. I'm pretty sure, or an audio interface or something. And you know, there's we've played with a band called Rituals, and they have a um, a laptop at the side, and they don't they have like all of their backing tracks and stuff just on logic and then they have gaps in between them and it automatically they just can't kind of press the space bar or click play on on the track and just kind of let it play and all the gaps are where they're going to talk and then it automatically goes into the next song after like 10 20 seconds after a bit of breathing room do you know what i mean yeah that's so, um yeah, sounds that's cool it's nice weird. and organized but it's i think i don't know if i'd be able to do that we're quite good with limiting our time that anyway especially if we're only playing 30 minutes that's well, I, for I, now I, I know a I know a pro tools uh, specialist who's flown out I'll tell you who and all the rest of it offline um but um we were flown uh, he was flown out to australia to um to fix to fix a band's pro tools rig um and uh, could basically they weren't going to be able to play um, so that's how, that's, that's how reliant it is now, you know what I mean? Well, certainly, certainly, you know, this particular band is like, you know, their, their, their label is, you know, their label, their management and everyone is, 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 is it's like, no, it, it must be like this, you know, it must be like this. So again, you know, people can, and, and I regularly do, you can take the piss out of, you know, Lars all you like and you turn, and you can, you know, but ultimately, you know, Metallica play live. <clears throat> every show yeah. you know there's there's there ain't no backing tracks there sometimes you wish there were but um you know there's no there's no backing tracks there and and it's it, it does seem to be a genuine kind of there seems to be a separation between that like old school new school um 
and whether or not we're going to, you know, we're going to end up with basically bands just like everyone's just pro tool in it. I, I yeah. really hope not. I really hope not. Let's just say Metallica do what they do extremely well. And I was just thinking about um, what you were saying about them not having backing trucks. And I was trying to think, wait, really? Like everyone has backing trucks. But I think the only ones that I can think of are like the samples that play. And the first thing that came to my head were the start of um, the start of Hardwired and the start of The Unforgiven, you know, with yes. like snare rolls. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, well, that's the as far as they'll go, I think. Yeah, the start of Hardwired is because Lars can't play that can't can he <laughs> that's uh, i mean that's that's you know uh i'm not going to get sued anytime soon for saying that <laughs> which uh which tells you why um but but yeah but even so there's like there's there's using something as an intro do you know what i mean it's like yeah it's rather than i mean for instance you know we we when we played a, a show a couple of weeks ago we used um we used the intro to motherly love from the album um, now, obviously, mm. we couldn't perform that anyway, but we also used the intro to United Hates. Um, we used the intro. We used a, um, uh, the intro to the album, to the Age of Entitlement album as well. But they're just, you know, they're, they're literally they're just intros. Um, and it's a good touch to have, isn't it? Because, I mean, especially, as you say, um, the Age of Entitlement intro is a sick thing. It gets people hyped and I'm ready for that title track. I'm ready for the new war to kick in after that, you know what I mean? And it's a good thing, you know, and then same with Mobile Love, as soon as people hear that, um, you know, that you know, old woman, um, yeah. all this, yeah, um, people know people know what's coming. People yeah, know what's coming, yeah. you know? It's, it's, so it's a, a good it's a good thing. It's a bit of, um, it's a bit of production, you know? It's a bit of, it breaks things up. It gives you it's some- theatrical, it gives you it? some Theatrical. It, yeah, and it gives you some dynamics as well, you mm. know, it, it, it and it, it keeps people on their toes. I, or I'm, a phrase that I kind of use pretty much all the time which is you know keeping people on their toes keeping your keeping your followers on their toes all the time you know and and like doing stuff that people don't expect um and hey sometimes it's great to do stuff that people do expect because people like not being surprised but people also do like you know surprises and you know and changes and it, it's you've, you've got to keep moving you've got to keep moving because if you're not moving you're standing still and if you're standing still you're going backwards so you know Right. right, absolutely. Well, look, guys, um, this has been awesome. Um, I've, I've re- it's absolutely flown by, absolutely flown by. It's been, it's it's been, been an hour. It's literally been an hour. I know, I know, I know. So, um, look, what we got to do is get you back on. Um, you know, when you've got like a new album coming out, or you know, Tom passes his teaching exam. You know, <laughs> one or, day. Uh, yeah, you never know. You never know. But um, yeah, let's have a let, we'll have a little catch up offline. But guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much for having us. And what a genuine pleasure it was. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, as you can tell, because you know we had a laugh, and presumably, hopefully, you had a laugh listening to it as well. So check out Steel Mage wherever you can. And show them a bit of love, show them some support. And if you want to support the podcast, you know what to do. Mentioned it earlier. What I didn't mention earlier was, of course, Old Bollocks with my good friend, Old Head. So that drops into this feed every now and again. There'll be one coming soon, I promise. And that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I hope you share this with as many people as possible. 
I hope you click all the links I throw at you and that everything is good in your world. And to go back to how I started this podcast, if there is anybody unwell or in long-term sick or recovering or whatever it is within your particular circle of friends, family, whatever, then I wish them nothing but the best and I wish you nothing but the best helping them out, whatever you're doing for them. So until next time, keep listening, keep sharing, tell everybody all about Talking Bollocks. If you wouldn't mind, I'd be very grateful. Thank you very much.